Welcome to Riff Ram Review, your TCU sports talk home right here on 88.7 KTCU. Here are your hosts, Seth Dowdle, Ian Nepetian, and Zion Trammell. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Riff Ram Review here on KTCU, the choice, your choice for college radio. My name's Ian Nepetian, and tonight I'm joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle, who is in the other booth with us here tonight. It's episode 10, boys. How are, how are we doing on this Wednesday night? Doing good. I can't believe we are at episode 10. That's crazy, yeah. but uh, I'm, I'm doing well. You know, I'm a little sad, though, that the great month of October is over because, you know, there's less sports going on now. It's going to start dying down a little bit, but, you know, happy that it's November and uh, getting ready to listen to Mariah Carey for the next two months. Exactly. <laughs> a little premature on the Mariah Carey, yeah. thing, but, you know, it's it's whatever. Yeah, it's it's a great time. Great time to be alive uh november's a good sports month as well uh a packed show it's gonna be a good one yep so folks we have a very special episode on tap for you guys tonight we have a very special guest as well in sedona prince from tcu women's basketball she'll be joining us right after this quick uh commercial break here but stay on 88.7 the choice your choice for college radio you're listening to riff ram review meet designated dave Hey, Dave, my main man. What's going on, bro? Dave provides a valuable service to college students. Um, hi. I just got a call from Amber. She said she needs a ride home. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hold on a sec. Amber! Designated Dave is always on call, ready to lend a helping hand to kids who are too impaired to drive safely. Whoa, no Dave! Hey, Amber. Dave, I am so wasted right now. You don't say. Dave doesn't ask for a fare. Dave? Yes, Amber? He doesn't even mind if you Ralph on his upholstery. I love you! That's nice, Amber. But designated Dave can't be everywhere at once. So if you're planning on drinking, be sure to plan ahead. Make sure there's a designated driver with you, or have someone ready to give you a ride. Oh my god, I love this song! This message is brought to you by your friends at KTCU. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. My name is Ian Nepetian. I'm joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. And we have a very special guest joining us here tonight in the studio. Welcome, Sedona Prince. Thank you so much for joining us. How is your evening tonight? Going great. Hey, guys. Uh, Going really well. Had a few other media day things today, but just excited to talk to you guys and get the season going. Yeah, well, su- we're, we're super excited to have you in here. You're our first guest on the show, so that means a lot. And, and again, thank you so much for being here. We know that as an athlete, you're incredibly busy, so carving out some time for us means a lot. And, and I know for you know speaking on behalf of Zion and Seth, we really appreciate you being here tonight. Um, just a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about you. Obviously, you're huge into basketball. A lot of people listening know about you, and just just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah. originally from Austin, went to UT Austin my first year, um, ended up transferring to University of Oregon, uh, stayed there for my undergrad, and then decided to take a leap of faith, get into the WNBA draft, and then all of a sudden, I ended my way up back here in Fort Worth at TCU. So, finishing up my last year here, getting my master's degree um, for the for the Horn Frogs. So I'm super pumped. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, well, again, super glad that. T- that, that you're here to join us tonight and we'll just jump straight in we've got a lot to go over a lot to talk about with you so I mean just briefly what about TCU kind of made you 
come over here, right? I mean, you started out in Texas, like you said, you transferred to Oregon, and now you're a Horned Frog. What kind of brought you here? What about the program drew you here? Yeah, um, fun fact. So I only went on three um, unofficial visits throughout my high school recruiting process. One was to Washington, one was to UT Austin, um, and I ended up actually committing to UT Austin in the eighth grade. But my last one was TCU. And so I've been a fan of the campus. Um, I've loved it here in Fort Worth for so long. But um, I mean, the deciding factor was when Mark Campbell got the job. He was our assistant coach up in Oregon. Amazing man, just a great coach. He just coaches with such like a fairness and um, just like a kind soul he's fair he's he's honest to the players and there's really no one like him and so I was excited for to, to join him for his first year here and kind of get his program started and show the world what I can do in basketball yeah now now you kind of touched on it there right you said that you rescinded your um your eligibility per se for that WNBA draft mm -hmm. deciding to play for coach Campbell you, for you as a player what do you like most about him I mean obviously you spent a lot of time with him up mm -hmm. in Oregon and, and you're back here what is it like as a player under coach Campbell what do you kind of expect for him to bring to this program? Yeah, um, he just lets everyone play in their own in their own game, right? So I was, you know, kind of put into a box at Oregon, um, you know, get behind the basket or just make passes and, and kind of just used in a in a position that I didn't really feel comfortable in. And Mark just lets me play whatever game I want to play. And so that's shooting threes. Um, he lets me bring the ball to the court, which as a six foot seven center you don't see a lot of the time. So he's pretty. He just lets us have fun um, with all the players. He lets us, you know, be comfortable, get into our, our sets, and just have fun and play the game and. So you see a lot of smiles this year, um, which is pretty fun. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And so you've been here since March. So a lot of people may not know what happens during the off season. What do you go through? And then what, what have you been up to since you've come to TCU leading up to now? Yeah. Um, so when I first got here, I was not in the best shape. Um, I was living down in San Diego, just like I was training here and there for the WNBA draft, but I just came off of um, a pretty big injury. And so coming here, it's you come in and immediately start training. Um, very hardcore. So, you know, when I first got here, I couldn't really make it down and back without wanting to throw up. Um, and so it was every day getting extra conditioning. Um, working with the team we did tons of weights like five days of, of weights a, a week and so that with basketball training extra stuff I mean it's just a constant grind to get your body physically there um, but then also you know get mentally prepared of I'm going to play basketball for a full very long season um, and for me as well you know Mark and I had, had big long discussions about it that I've never played you know 35 40 minutes in a game throughout a season um, ever in my career and so getting mentally prepared for that to be locked in um, every minute of the game that I'm going to play. So that's something we've been working on um, with him, watching videos, just getting prepped and, and trying to make my game as, as strong and, and you know full as possible. Yeah, and so how do you feel now currently health-wise and all that? Oh, man, a, a full 360. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I can play, you know, I'm, I'm in the best shape of my life, um, physically, mentally, just emotionally. I'm in such a great place, and, and that's a testament to our, our trainers and our, our team, but also, you know, all the hard work I've been putting in. But, um, but yeah, I'm, exci I'm excited. I can dunk again. I'm feeling good. I'm just, I'm just ready to play. Yeah. Y'all went to Costa Rica, I yeah, saw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Oh, dude, it was fun. It was a blast. We got to play some some pro players. We brought down six players that we played um, in three different games and just got to beat up on them. Um, there wasn't a lot of defense. It was almost like an all-star kind of game, um, which we had to work on. But, yeah, it was really fun. Then um, we got, like, four days of vacation down in Costa Rica, which isn't isn't the worst place to, to hang out with the team. No. So we went uh, horseback riding in the rainforest, Sweet. saw some monkeys. Dude, it was, it was sick. 
monkeys. Yeah, a lot of monkeys. <laughs> now, I, I've never been to Costa, Rica, to, to, to Costa Rica, but it seems like an awesome place. Have have, have you all been there? Mm-hmm. Seth, have you been to Costa Rica yet? No, but I want to see monkeys. Yeah, you want to see monkeys? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, me too. <laughs> me too. There's now, a zoo that I can always, I can always see the ones at the zoo down the street. I know. <laughs> Talking about zoos, have you been to the Fort Worth Zoo? Here? I have not. No, I've wanted to okay. go. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, it's go. ranked the number one zoo by some magazine. It says on the billboard off yeah. University. Nice. Fort, Fort Worth Magazine? Probably, <laughs> probably, yeah. something probably. like that. Exactly. So, I mean, just just curious. I mean, you were talking about the off season work, right? Coming back from the injury, what is that process like? I mean, going through an injury is really tough, and for you, it was it was for your right elbow, if I'm not mistaken. Left elbow. Oh, yeah. Left elbow. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is that kind of like? Whether it's the mental aspect or not being able to shoot around, and, mm-hmm. and I mean, how do you kind of get around that hump? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a full like physical mental grind, right? So a lot of people just like think about the physical aspect of it, of training and, and physical therapy and wh- whatever it might take to get your body back in shape for basketball. But the whole mental side of it is just, is that that's the key. Um, and so I'm lucky enough to have lucky is a, you know, to have been through a, um, a massive leg injury, but to have recovered from that fully and, and gone through that it was a two year long process. And so I knew what it took to get back and, and how difficult it would be. And and so with this, I just treated it like I was a pro. Um, everything I did from my eating habits to my training to how I, you know, went to sleep, everything was was a full, you know, focus on getting my elbow back to better than it was before. Yeah, yeah. Now, now that you guys are less than a week away from the first game of the season, what does the day-to-day kind of look like in this preseason point, trying to get ready for, for the games, whether it's you just – going around campus, you know, doing something on your own. What does that day-to-day look like for Sedona Prince? Right. Um, I mean, still lots of training. we got to stay in shape. Um, so, for instance, today we um, – yeah, we <laughs> – lots lots of sleep. Um, but we have a practice. Um, we'll go through – you know, we're keeping it light right now. We just want to, you know, stay away from injuries or anything that's unnecessary. But we'll play um, – we also have a WNBA player right now, Ruthie Hebert, as our uh, GA. And so she's here the training with me, beating me up in practice, which is super awesome. Like, uh, get a lot of good reps against her. Um, and then we have weights. Uh, for instance, today we had extra conditioning. So just keeping our bodies like at that physical shape and maintaining it that we need for the season. Um, and then come home and sleep. Uh, if you're you know, one of my close friends, you know that I nap a lot, um, like up to like four to six hours a day, oh. just because, yeah, long naps. Um, just to like make sure my body is just resting and getting that, that care that it needs. Um, because you see these pro players like LeBron James, he gets 12 hours of sleep a night. And that's, you know, there's a, there's a difference in between college and pro players. And that's, that's the biggest one. Um, and so just resting my body and making sure that I'm, that I'm ready to go and, and rested enough for the season. So you're saying that for people that aspire to be professional sleepers, that the first step to that is become a professional or just become a collegiate athlete. Yep, yep, that's, okay. that's exactly right. Gotcha. All right, yeah. this is cool. Yep. I, I, I honestly, I think we're all lacking our sleep here. But, but now, now, kind of transitioning, looking ahead again to your guys' first game against Oral Roberts on November 6th here at the Schulmeyer. What are your expectations, not just for yourself, but also of this team? I mean, there's a lot of new transfers, obviously a new coach. Are there going to be some growing pains in that? What are your kind of expectations early on? Yeah, I mean, you look at our team, and it's it's kind of just like a ragtag group of girls um, and coaching staff. You know, you've coaching staff first year, um, you know, a, a bunch of girls that, let's you know, uh, Maddie Connor from Arizona, she averaged about three minutes playing for that team. Um, Jaden Owens, she had a, a, a pretty good career at Baylor, but not what she expected and not what she could have done. Uh, my career was, you know, in my opinion, pretty mediocre at Oregon, uh, basketball-wise. And so, and, and, you know, you can go on the list. 
list of all our players, just okay careers, but not what they wanted to be, not what they could have done. And so it's a it's a pretty fun group of girls that are like the underdogs of just coming together and being like, we're going to show the world who we are, um, including Mark. And it's, you know, that underdog mentality of like, you know, count us last. We got ranked number nine in preseason. And so we're like, yes, like, you know, we're all like laughing about it and like, yeah, good, put us lower. Yeah. Um, we love it. And so it's motivation for us. And, and we're just excited, man. It's, it's going to be a fun team. A lot of smiles on the court, like I said, but we're going to be a we're going to be hard to beat. Yeah, well, well, we're we're definitely looking forward to 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 the season. Really looking forward to seeing you actually getting out there on the court and seeing you play. But when we come back, we've still got a lot of time left here with Sedona Prince. So stick here on eighty-eight point seven, the choice. You're listening to Riff Ram Review. Everyone is talking about healthcare these days. America spends twice that of other developed countries on our healthcare system, yet our health ranks near the bottom. How can we stop spending so much and getting so little? Shifting to a system based on primary care can help fix the problem. Patients with a primary care doctor live longer, healthier lives and are less likely to suffer from cancer, heart disease, or stroke. Primary care that is comprehensive and coordinated also saves money. Patients who have a primary care doctor spend 30% less on health care than patients who don't. States with a high number of primary care doctors have lower health care costs and higher quality care. Primary care can help make America healthy again. To learn more about the benefits of primary care, visit www.healthisprimary.org. This message is brought to you by America's Family Physicians. Welcome back, everybody, to Riff Ram Review here on KTCU, the choice, your choice for college radio. I'm Ina Pishin, and tonight I'm here alongside Zion Trammell, Seth Dowdle, and the wonderful Sedona Prince. Sedona, again, thank you so much for being here. Um, for those, if you guys are just joining, we are here tonight with a special episode with Sedona Prince. She's been kind enough to, get to, to give us some time here this Wednesday evening to talk to us about the upcoming TCU women's basketball season. So, again, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Um, now kind of... Shifting gears a little bit, I want to go back and talk about your time up in Oregon, specifically 2021, picturing the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. You that's that's probably one of the biggest turning points, maybe that the public has seen from in terms of you. Mm-hmm. What was that whole experience during that tournament? I mean, you you really brought to light the disparities between the men's yeah. and women's tournaments. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we um, you know we get to the tournaments, these this weight room and stuff, and. You know, everybody saw this video, but doesn't really know like the backstory behind it. I wasn't going to post it at first, and um, I put I made two videos, one before practice, one after. And the one I made before practice, I was angry and just like, you know, just upset at the situation, like everyone else was. And I like, you know, sat on it. I was like, I put my phone away. Made a second video right when we were leaving practice, and like actually at the end of that video that I made, I was kind of being rushed out. My, you know, my my coaches were like, let's go, let's go. Um, but yeah, I just ended up throwing it up. I was like, forget it. You know, like hopefully it'll just. Get some attention catch some people's eyes um and it was doing mediocre on tiktok decided to put it up on twitter went to sleep woke up the next morning um and it had over a hundred thousand retweets stephen curry had had quote tweeted it um like msnbc reached out bbc um radio and i was like oh boy like i, I did something kind of crazy i was like yeah. oh um but yeah from there i was like you know just the 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 attention that it received i was like wow like people actually care about women's sports you know like that was the first time that i think a lot of us within our you know sports and stuff and with our, our teams we realized like oh wow like 
we have voices, we care, people care, um, and that they couldn't get away with it anymore with treating us less than. Um, so it was a really cool experience for me. Um, you know, it wasn't about me. I got to make a video and, and hopefully shed light into something that was going on for a long time and has been an issue in women's sports for forever. But it was just cool that I got to, you know, my platform got to be used and, and utilized to do that. And so it was it was a blast. Yeah. So so what was that kind of switch from that experience of the, the day before the video, the day of, and then the day after, what was that like? <laughs> yeah. um, so it was also my first tournament ever to play, like ever NCAA tournament. Um, it was my first year of college basketball. And so for me, like nobody had really noticed me throughout the season. Um, I had a, a pretty big TikTok following about 500,000 followers before I made that video. But, you know, before that, I was excited, nervous about the tournament, of course. And then video gets posted next day, all of a sudden, all eyes are on our team. All eyes are on me. How I'm going to do? Now I'm like, okay, now I got to back it up. Um, and so we went into a game um, against, I don't know, I think it was North Dakota State or, or yeah. one of the teams, um, a mid-major team. And I was, remember like before the game, I was talking to my trainers and my coach and I was like, I'm going to throw up. I'm nervous. I kept running back and forth between warmups um, to like go to the bathroom. And I was like, I'm going to be sick. Um, but I made it through and then we ended up playing Georgia. I made it to Sweet 16, but that was a lot of pressure on me, not just from like, you know, my first tournament being played, but just like, you know, thousands and thousands of people um, watching me. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. So you mentioned Steph Curry, like quote tweeted you and did you, did any other athletes or anyone like reach out to you after that and offer any advice? Or support or whatnot? Yeah, tons. I mean, um, I, I became close with Megan Rapino um, and a lot of like her circle, um, Sue Bird, Dana Trossi. And I'm like, I'm lucky to have the same agent as, as a lot of these players, Brittany Griner, um, as well. And so a lot of these like, you know, professional athletes reached out and they're like, hey, so proud of you. Um, this is awesome that, you know, a college kid can use their voice like this. And that was just like, you know, inspiring enough for me to be like, wow, like I am making not only a change in college sports, but also professional sports and the whole, you know, ask, the whole world of, of women's women's athletes so it was really cool for me yeah and so now you have i believe 2.7 million followers on tiktok so does that pressure still like get to you how does that impact you now today with that social media you know with all that following mm -hmm. on? um yeah i mean it, it used to a lot like when i was at oregon it, it kind of just became like it's very hard to to separate yourself from that right and like especially your athlete um, athletics and so it was a long journey for me to be like who am i as a human being stone prince um as an athlete stone prince and then also as a tiktoker or as you know a social media person um person persona and so that was a, a challenge and a journey i've learned a lot from it um but yeah the pressure gets to me you know i'm a little bit nervous still for the season and just want to show out and, and a lot of people are going to be watching and I'm nervous, you know, to go play in away games and hear the student sections and, you know, they're always uh, the craziest at ASU and, and all these different schools, but um, but I'm excited, so it'll be fun. Yeah, what, what is some of your, like, your favorite content to put out on TikTok? Like, what, is, what are your favorite kind of videos to make? Um, oh, man, I love just, like, showing, the, like, the life of a student athlete. You know, yeah. I, th I feel like there's a big divide between fans and, and college athletes. They don't really get to see the day-to-day. -day. Um, so that's what I kind of fell in love with is just bringing fans along the journey. And so I just posted, um, actually, I just posted, like, a TCU gear haul that went pretty viral. Yeah. Um, a lot of, like, students on campus saw it and stuff. But, um, but yeah, just, like, bringing, like, people along and saying this is, you know, what it's like at the season, um, throughout postseason, the the ups and downs, well, you know, what to eat and, and all this stuff and how to take care of your body that a lot of fans don't get to see.
Yeah, it definitely gives you a more personal look at these student athletes. And I think that's that's a cool thing about social media is, you know, you, you get that opportunity to see that. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I saw that. That hall was crazy. Y'all got a lot of stuff. That was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is pretty cool. We get a lot of stuff, more stuff here than we do oh. at Oregon, more gear. Interesting. Yeah, but we get like more shoes, more player shoes, player oh. edition Jordans at Oregon, but way more gear here, that which I did not expect. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so what's your favorite shoe, though? Like, what was your go-to shoe? Go-to shoe right now, um, I'm rocking I've got the Sabrinas. Um, they're pretty mm -hmm. good, pretty comfy, but I'm going with LeBron's. The, the new oh, ones yeah. you just dropped are insane. They're so comfy. They're just nice. The, the icy white ones, oh, they're they're insane yeah. yeah shoes are not my specialty this is like these are this is all going over my head right now i have no, I, have no I i wear regular just running shoes and then hey, my my mom's like good job you did it you dressed yourself uh going kind of back to you know talking about the ncaa and stuff like that you know what kind of strides and improvements do you think that you've seen uh, uh the ncaa make in women's sports and right now Oh man, um, equality, which which is something that is crazy that we still have to fight for, but now it's the thing of like they can't get away with it. Like I said, um, the the NCAA and other organizations know that if they don't give us uh, you know what's equal to our counterparts, um, then we're going to call them out and we're going to get a lot of attention. And I think that was the first time in in any kind of like you know social media setting where we saw that where it was like oh you know no, we're not just complaining about it, but people are complaining with us and, and pushing back against it. And so hopefully in the future, like, you know, if any of, of these uh, inequalities come up or are we face anything like this, that it won't be allowed anymore. Yeah. Now as a player, right. I mean, I, I feel like at least as fans, there's a lot of things that maybe fans would want to see to, you know, where, where the NCAA could continue to, to make strides. But as a player, where do you feel that Look, there are still disparities in X, Y, and Z. Where do you want to see the next kind of movement go into? Yeah, um, I mean, we see we're seeing a lot of like you know more attention towards women's basketball because people want to watch it because it's so entertaining. But for me, it's just like more coverage, right? Like I still get texts from my family, friends of like, hey, what link can we watch your games at? And they have to sign up on their emails and like you know a new email every week to get that seven day free trial. And it's like, why why is this still a thing? Why can't we just like have you know coverage for all of our games? Um, um, because people want to watch like the, the, the people want to see us play and, and the, the need is there. Um, but just having these big news outlets like, you know, ESPN or all these different these um, companies just like cover it because it, the need is there now. Yeah. So you mentioned like the need is there. What did you make of last year with Iowa and Caitlin Clark <laughs> and, and that championship game against LSU? Because a lot of people tuned into that. So what what was that like for you watching it? Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, you know, like on, on Twitter going afterwards and seeing like all the memes and just like people, people just love it. Um, it's the stories around it of they've been playing all year and having this rivalry and then now they're in the national championship with the best player in the country undoubtedly versus you know powerhouse LSU with, with Kim Mulkey and so that was so awesome just like the storyline of it all um, is what we, you know people love to see in women's sports of, of who we're watching not just like on court but also like who who are these kids what are their backstories where have they been who are these people and so that was awesome it was really cool it was fun, fun for me to watch yeah, yeah. All right, Seth. It's I time think... to pivot to our final segment. Yeah, we got some uh, rapid fire here. It's Seth's rapid fire corner. <laughs> All righty. I have 10 or so rapid fire questions. They okay. are not rapid for me. I can take however long I want to ask these questions. <laughs> rapid for you. Okay. So just a answer them. The first thing that comes to your head. All right. Favorite superhero? Uh, Spider-Man. Valid. Favorite sport other than basketball? Swimming. Rank your top five favorite restaurants. 
Ooh, five? That's a rapid fire question. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's that might take some time. Yeah. Um. Okay. We'll, we'll go. BJ's. Um. Subway. Uh. I'm just taking thinking restaurants now. Um. Uh. <laughs> um. Help me out here. Uh. What do we got? Canes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Chick-fil-A. 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 Oh, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, Chick-fil-A. Uh, last one is Ken- oh, I wish I can. Chick-fil-A, Whataburger, Whataburger. Oh, Whataburger. Yeah, right. Texas. Yeah. yeah. There you go. go. All right. All right. If you were stuck in the woods for approximately ten to fifteen hours with no communication to the outside world, how would you survive? <laughs> um, I would find shelter, hunker down, uh, be safe, know my surroundings, find some water and, and food, and make sure that I have all my supplies ready for nighttime. Okay. Have you ever been to Sedona, Arizona? I have. My parents got married there. Have, oh. Did you? Oh. Is that yeah. why? Yeah. That is why they named me. They met in San Diego. So my brother's name is? Diego. Diego. That's yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. That's, yeah. that's, that's uh, good. That. Yeah. That's have you been cool. to the uh, the uh, the Blue McDonald's? I have been to the Blue McDonald's. Yeah, we went okay. twice in one day. No way. Yes. Yeah. I was so excited to ask this question. They know. I was <laughs> yeah. so excited to ask yeah. about the Blue yeah. McDonald's. We actually <laughs> went, I went, um, I went on a road trip from Oregon to... Texas and I, I went. Oh, yeah, Let's I go. Yeah, Let's stopped. go. All right, favorite planet. Favorite planet. Other than Earth. Mm, uh, Saturn. Favorite artist. It could be musical. It could be painting. It could be. <laughs> it, it could be whatever. Uh, we're going musical with Tame Impala. All right. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Li- that's good. And groovy vibes. Yeah. What is your most meaningful tattoo? Oof. Um, probably all the ones I did on my legs myself. Uh, people love those, but um, I have one that's like a, a rose, and it just means a lot to my family. Okay. What's your next tattoo, you think? Oof. Um, I'm getting left arm sleeved out, hopefully over the big scar that I have on my elbow. All right. Final question. Who wins in a race? Bevo, the duck, or Super Frog? Um, <laughs> I feel like Bevo would just try to kill the other mascots first. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, oh, I want to go Super Frog, but he's... he's the, I mean, are we talking about, like, Horn Frog, like the little one, or... It could be... Uh, uh, no, the, the, mascot? The, the mascot Super Okay, not a Horn yeah. Frog, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah not the little tiny lizard. A while. Yeah. Um, I'm going Super Frog, man. Come on, go Frogs. Yeah. Awesome. That, that's what we like to hear. Thank yeah. you so much for joining yeah. us here in the I think Super Frog would lose the push-up battle with the, with the duck. With yes. The yes. Yeah, he's yeah. insane. He does, like, oh, I'm like, yeah. like he's nuts. Yeah. No, there's a video from, what, maybe it was, like, two weekends ago of... Of Oregon being on ESPN Game Day of the Duck doing some some yeah. questionable stuff on that little stage. Yeah, yeah. I see him lose his head on to yeah, yeah for the oh, Deion Sanders yeah, bit. Yeah, that's exactly. that's oh yeah, that's, instant karma. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Super Frog does some wild stuff too, though. I think you'll learn. Yeah, that, like he he uh, yeah. I mean, at football games, he's just a crazy dude. Yeah, he is. He is. And there's also like a smaller Super Frog who's actually not affiliated with TCU. It's like a, it's like a little kid that dresses up in a super frog outfit. Looks like the exact same just a kid's size, but everyone thinks he's related to TCU, but he's not. So he sometimes gets on the field, sometimes he's in the student section. We're just like, man, this this, this little guy's everywhere. It's yeah. awesome. But yeah, so Sedona, thank you so much for for joining us tonight. Um, you know, we we again, we really appreciate having you on. Um, tell our listeners where they can reach you on social media platforms, just just briefly. Yeah, uh, just Sedona period underscore on Instagram. Uh, Sedoner on TikTok with three R's. Um, just look up Sedona Prince, and and you know, you'll find me. Awesome. And then you're currently you're trying to put together a little production of your own. Talk to us about that with with you know doing some stuff with some some students on campus. Yeah, I'd love to like build a team of students. Um, just want to help each other out. Um, TCU has so many great you know smart kids that are going places, and so getting some uh, videographers that that are going to work and, and just try to get as much coverage for our team as possible throughout the season, um, throughout our journeys, kind of make like a mini documentary series um, about this season because it's gonna be really special. Yeah. 
Well, Sedona, thank you so much for joining us. We'd love to have you on sometime in the future. And seriously, all the best for this season. It starts on November 6th. That is next Monday when the TCU women's basketball team takes on Oral Roberts in game one of the 2023-2024 season. So be sure to tune in there on ESPN+. Plus. But for Seth Dowdle, Zion Trammell, Sedona Prince, and myself, Ian Apichin, thank you so much for tuning in to this special edition of Riff Ram Review here with Sedona Prince. Hi, this is Terry Crews, actor, former football player, and father of five. I'm also an expert on drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids, and there's silly drama like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. And lead the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU, The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Napetian and Seth Dowdle. We just got done with our interview with Sedona Prince. It was uh, really great having her on, and uh, you know, it, was, it was a lot of fun talking some some hoops and some favorite restaurants we like to go to. So, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, really, really happy to have her on. And uh, we're going to shift now to more TCU talk, but we're going to be talking about TCU football here as uh, they're off the bye. Uh, they will head to Lubbock to take on Texas Tech tomorrow night um, at 6 o'clock. Uh, that is going to be a rowdy environment, boys. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but Lubbock is going to be popping. Yeah. Tortilla! It's yes. time for the tortillas. Uh, let's go into Lubbock. Not, I'm not going. <laughs> I would not. not want to, I would not want to be there. I'm, if not, I'm being honest. I've, I've never been to Lubbock, but I was asking around, like, what makes it so bad? Yeah. I mean, I mean, to you, Seth, there's what, nothing what makes, to do. There's just nothing man. to do. It's just crap. Really? It's just stinky desert. <laughs> it's uh, it's there's no like fun things. There's no Blue McDonald's, for instance. You know yeah. to go. It's just Texas Tech and. A cactus, and you see they've embraced the cactus. There you go. Any Texas Tech fan that you see has a cactus emoji in their Twitter handle. Really? Yeah. No, for real. Look, if you see yeah. someone with a cacti emoji, they're a emoji. Cacti, cacti emoji. <laughs> Um, no, that's that's the opposite of what I've heard. I've seen those videos on Twitter, you know, where... <laughs> okay. I don't believe you. <laughs> so you know those videos where you see, like, it's like waterfalls and something or whatever, and it's like Oakland, yeah. California? <laughs> or oh, it's I, saw one. Sorry. I, I, think, I think it hits better whenever it's, like, home. I saw one, and it was, like, Wiley, Texas, and yeah. it was, like, Niagara Falls, and yeah. I was like, where's this? Yeah. No, there's one of Bakersfield. It's like, wow, Bakersfield, California at night is so amazing. It was yeah, like that Tokyo. It's like somewhere in Tokyo. <laughs> And you're just like, there's no way. Yeah, no, there's so, no way. So maybe they'll do that with Lubbock. Yeah. Um, but, anyways, back to uh, back to football. So, Aww. yeah, I know we could we could talk about that all day. Um, so again, TCU they came off a 41 to three loss against Kansas State, whereas the week before they won 44 to 11 against BYU. So, the question here, guys, is what kind of team are we going to see on the field, um, and what are some things to look for in this game against Texas Tech? I'm honestly hoping for, I don't know, I mean, it's it's so general to say this, but it's just a little more life. I felt like, again, we talked about it on last week's show, um, but it just felt that against Kansas State, I mean, TCU going into Manhattan was going to be tough, but they didn't show much life to the team, and it, it was very much like, okay, we're coming in here, great game after BYU, but 
it didn't feel like the team was the most excited team to play that day. And it's kind of something that Sonny Dykes has said, a lot of the players have said is that, look, if you're not the more excited team to play that day, you're simply not going to win and it's not going to be in your favor. And again, it's it's not making the adjustments. I want to see the team, if if things go off script, be able to make the adjustments, you know, um, especially on defense. And again, defensively, I just want to see a much more um just just a much more sound game right i mean last week again 19 missed tackles equals the most of this season dating back to the loss the the loss against colorado right and so there are parallels between those defensive performances and again although it's general i just i want to see a little more life i want to see some more consistency on the defensive side of the ball um and Fortunately for TCU, I think against Texas Tech, it's a team that they have a great opportunity to bounce back from that loss to Kansas State. Rough. I, this is kind of rough to talk about because I don't know what to expect because yep. I could totally see two different universes in terms of like I could see uh, uh, like a very similar situation to what happened two weeks ago. Yep. Uh, and I could also see what happened against BYU happening because Texas Tech also wasn't great. Right, so I would just like somewhere in the middle. I would like more than three points, and I would like to give up less than forty-one. And I don't think that's much too much to ask for. It's not. Where did this accent come from? <laughs> Lubbock. Lubbock. Uh, oh, is that how they talk? They talk a little slower. Oh, because there's not. They they got plenty of time. Yeah. They got nowhere to be. Nowhere to be. <laughs> nowhere to be. Jeez. Yeah. No, there, 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 there very well could be some people from Lubbock tuning in. Hey, just everybody, we don't hate Lubbock. It's just I've never been there. Seth, have you been there? Uh, no. Okay. Zion, you haven't been there? No, I haven't been there. At some point, we'll all have to go together and check it out. I think that would be fun. A little bucket list action. Yeah. Tomorrow. I, yeah. I mean, uh, if if I have nothing else to do, then I'll consider it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But No, seriously. I mean, I'm sure Lubbock is, is a fun fun town. Yeah. And, and again, though, kind of getting back to the football talk, is, uh, Seth, I want to touch on your point, right? You said, I want us to score more than three points and give up less than 41. It's a very astute observation. But at the same time for TCU, you score 44 against BYU. A week later, you get a field goal. And again, it's very, it's a very general statement to make, but we need consistency. You can't sit there and not know what you're going to get from your team because if you're if if your offense stalls like like it did against Kansas State then your defense is inherently set up to have to play a perfect game on on defense because anything more than three points is going to beat them right and again if if you score 44 points and then you score three I mean yes Kansas State shut us down but it's a lot more than just Kansas State making all those adjustments there are parts where TCU needs to make adjustments both both on offense and defense and if we don't have that consistency it's hard to even know what to look for right there's a problem but we don't even know what we're looking for to solve it this is a turning point game a key moment of the season game as you might want to call it because if tcu loses uh we will not be going to the pop tarts bowl most likely and that's very sad it'll be tough yeah no! It'll be really tough because then you're going to have to pull off a major upset if you want to do that. You got two games ahead of you in Tech and Baylor, two rivalry games, by the way, so some heated environments where you have an opportunity to, you know, play well and win the game. And then the other two are against the two uh, departers, as I like to call them, uh, Texas and OU. And I don't think you have a shot. 
against either one um hello I'm just kidding yeah uh it's it's really yeah I I think this is an absolute must win you know like I said I think those two wins are, are gonna come against Tech and Baylor if you're gonna make a bowl game so it's it's been interesting I think I don't know about you guys but um, I want to talk a little bit about Texas Tech because I had pretty high expectations for them this season, and I think certain they did too. Yeah, the, the media did as well. Well, yeah. So I, I wish we had this clip, but uh, didn't their head coach say like the Big Twelve runs through Lubbock or something similar to that? He yeah, said like that, that exact same phrase. Yeah, the Big Twelve runs through Lubbock, and uh, well, they are they are running through you pretty uh, easily. Um, it's not they've they've ran laps around Texas Tech and through Lubbock, so um, it's it's not been uh, it's not been what they were hoping for, but. Um. Yeah. So, does this game? What I mean, what does this game mean for Texas Tech? As far as you know, they're they're probably not going to get a bowl game. But you know, what 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 game could how what could this mean for Texas Tech? I mean, it, it means quite a bit, probably. Right. Uh, TCU is a, a program that they don't particularly like that much. Right. Uh, so it, it, it there's a, there's a saddle on the line here, boys. And when there's a saddle on the line, you gotta you gotta play hard, and, and it's, it's gonna mean a lot. It's also a night game. It's not, I mean, it's it is prime time, but it's on a Thursday night. But there will be eyes on this game, right? Uh, and and it it the tortillas are gonna be flying. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun environment, like you like y'all said. So yeah, I think it would mean uh, quite a bit. And, and obviously, you know, last ditch hail mary kind of toward like, hey, let's try and play in a postseason game, right? Uh, even though that's kind of far fetched for for them. Yeah, yeah. And again, I mean, I feel like for Texas Tech, I mean, the best thing for them, I think, is playing spoilers, right? And I mean, it's not even like TCU has much to spoil. But if Texas Tech can be the team that makes it almost near impossible for them to achieve a bowl game this year, that's what Texas Tech is going to try to do, right? Again, just like you said, Seth, Texas Tech does not really like a TCU program, especially one that did incredibly well last season, right? And so, I mean, this game does mean a lot. And I mean, Texas Tech is three and five. It's going to be very hard for them to get a bowl game because then they play Kansas, UCF, and then Texas to end the season. Yeah. But again, you kind of go out there and say, all right, maybe our season is done, but we know that everyone else ahead of us might still have something something to play for, right? And that might just be all that might just be all the all that they need really to kind of kickstart themselves for this game, and even if it's just this game, that could mean a lot to to TCU. Should we score predict? And then I want to talk to y'all about something else related to TCU's future because yeah. uh, we got some time. So yes. yeah. let's do let's do a score prediction and then uh, we'll jump into that. Yeah. Uh, first, is it okay? Real, really quickly. Uh, and I, this oh, yeah, is sorry, another. No, it's okay. Uh, just another thing too that might be some added motivation. There's not probably not a single student at Texas Tech that has seen a win over TCU. Texas Tech has not beaten TCU since 2018. They won 14 to 17. Um, seventeen to fourteen. Yeah, is that what you what said? Fourteen to seventeen. Oh well, it's I get it. That, yeah, uh, my brain jumped through a hurdle there, and I was like, fourteen points is less than seventeen. Yeah, points, and that <laughs> well, was first. So they won seventeen to fourteen. So the tortillas have not been been flying as as often. So I think that could be an extra motivation. Uh, the last time TCU went to Lubbock was uh, twenty one, and they dismantled them. And that team yeah. wasn't that twenty one team wasn't that it was good. Not that good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
but the tortillas were flying. They were flying, and RG3 was on the broadcast yes. that night, and I remember that, and he was... He was talking about was how loving, they got them tortillas he, he in. He threw a tortilla. I remember him throwing a tortilla. I, I don't... That's like a formative moment in my college oh, football yeah. brain, is oh, yeah. RG3. I feel like that's sacrilegious for a Baylor guy to go into Lubbock and throw and a toss tortilla. Toss a tortilla, yeah. exactly. Well, all right, score prediction sign. Okay, so I think because this is a must-win for TCU... Uh, I think Josh Hoover and this offense will get back on track, and I think they'll win this game 28-24. to I think a big game from Imani Bailey is in order, and I think the Horned Frogs win it. Seth? I disagree. I do not think that they will go come out on top. I think that TCU will fall to the Red Raiders 35-21. to Wow, just... Straight touchdowns there. Eight touchdowns? Yep. No. Fe- no well, field yeah, goal. we could get wonky with some scores. Yeah, and you I could find your could. way to 35 You could 21. find your way. You could. You could. Yeah, Seth, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I'd love to see TCU um, not make the upset, but I'd love to see TCU upset my and your opinion. But I'm going Texas Tech 31 to 17. I just, I'm, I'm praying that TCU can pull this one out. I just don't know, especially after last week. It was a real, real depressing performance um so yeah i'm going texas tech 31 to 17 i think the tortillas are going to help them a little bit let's let's quickly what what's the over-unders on 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 tortillas going to be thrown uh like 200 200 maybe I'm more s- I don't, i'm not really familiar with like the like what's the quota like what's the usual amount so i think 200 is a good bet okay i'm gonna take i'm gonna take the under oh no no, you, you got to think. Does each student in the student yeah, section that's, have that's a tortilla? What I, was just, I, think I just each student that, has at least one or two. Yeah, that just came into my head. Yeah, okay, I think I'm over a thousand. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna take the over. I'm gonna take the over. I probably would too. I don't, this line might be horrible. I this, think two hundred. This is a might bad be. Line. This might be. Yeah, but I, I have no frame of reference. Here. Yeah, we don't. I think there can be over a thousand tortillas tossed. There also could just be like fifty. Exactly. So do they like go to like Kroger? Look. <laughs> I'm gonna need every tortilla you got. And the Kroger people are like, "Yeah, like we've we've been building for this exact moment." Yeah, like it's like corner flour, uh, both. Like <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Have you guys seen Parks and Rec? This is yeah. random. But you remember when Ron Swanson was like, "I need every," and when I say every <laughs> single thing of eggs and bacon, I mean it. That's what they go to to Kroger's like. And when I mean every tortilla, I mean every single tortilla. I don't think you heard me correctly. <laughs> Every single one. Well, this is a, a, you know, the football season right now hasn't been, you know, the greatest. But today, we got we to gotta look into what it's going to look like for the schedules oh, yeah. for the next four seasons. Because, I don't know if y'all know this, but the landscape of college football is changing. And oh, that it is. Mean, that means the Big 12 is as well that four more teams are joining the conference next year to accompany the four teams that joined this season as well as the two teams that are leaving. Yeah. And so we have a new schedule format uh, for the next uh, four years already, and TCU's opponents have been released. Yeah. Uh, go, go, go ahead. TCU will only have one protected rival as Baylor, and that's it. And there will just be some you know revolving doors. And so next year, TCU uh, is going to host Zona, Oklahoma State, UCF, Houston, and Texas Tech, and go to Utah. That's a little scary. Baylor, 
uh, Kansas and Cincy. So we'll get to play Cincinnati and UCF for the first time uh, as Big 12 members next year. That'll, That'll be, be fun. fun. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, there we go. Jinx. All right. Look at that. Yeah, that that should be fun. I can't believe though that they've like got it planned out till twenty twenty seven. Yes. Like, well, there has been a little, some controversy in terms of you know people people are not some people don't like this. Uh, in particular, Baylor fans are a little frustrated because in Tech fans that the butt game, the Baylor Texas Tech game, or the butt game. <laughs> oh, but I just oh my gosh. wow, uh, is not protected and won't be played Aww. every year. That's a rivalry game. Unprotected butts. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that sucks. Uh, the other uh, other protected rivalries, uh, Utah-BYU will play every single season, which makes sense. Yeah. Utah-BYU, yeah. Uh, so that's going to happen. Uh, but TCU gets a chance. You know, they're going to host Colorado again in 25. So yep. if Dion's still there, he'll be coming back. So for a little bit of revenge, perhaps for TCU to get there. Um, so yeah, it's it, and then they go to BYU in that year as well. Uh, so yeah, it's it's always it's already kind of weird because I'm so accustomed to this round robin schedule where yeah. we TCU play everyone, and this is the first season where we don't get that. Because yep. I was like, all right, when are we playing Oklahoma State? And then I was like, oh, like, we don't, we're not. Yeah, when are we playing Kansas State? Not yeah, there's no K State. No K State. No West Virginia. Even this year, we don't. We don't. We didn't play Kansas. Where's Iowa State? <laughs> I know. I wanted to play them. I mean, like aside from this year, that's typically like it's a free Ames. win. But no, I wasn't saying. But <laughs> 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 right, typically, an, a game against Iowa State is more or less a, a gimme, right? But we don't have that either. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? I mean, I'm. I've only been at TCU since fall of 2021 and i mean right having that round robin of knowing everyone you're going to play and you know you're going to play them the year after and the year after and it's going to switch home and away it's it's nice to have that kind of structure that kind of form but right big 12 is now going to be what 16 16 teams somewhere like big 16 um (laughs) you're not going to play everybody every year and i think that's one thing that's tough is that right and it's been a point of conversation is all these traditional these traditional rivalries are going away a little bit, right? And and I mean, I'm not deeply rooted in TCU's history and the Big 12 rivalries going back to the Southwest Conference and things like that. But I mean, that is a big point of contention for all these conference, um, you know, changes and things like that. Again, conferences are no longer regional. No, seriously, absolutely not. The ACC will have two teams on the Pacific Coast, yeah. and one of them in Dallas. Yeah. Which, by the way, they released their schedule, uh, whatever, oh, the other day. And I don't remember really any of it off the top of my head, but I just remember looking at it, and I was like, Cal is going to Tallahassee in what is going to be the most, like, the most two different, the most cultural co- culture shock moment yeah. for Cal people. Yeah. The, the polar opposite of Berkeley to... Tallahassee. To Florida State. Yeah. Uh, but that's even crazy on its own, right? Like, that is usually a non-conference game that is yeah. played... Just you know, earlier on early in the season, season. but that's in the yeah. middle of the conference season. Yeah. And then I rem- I, someone's got to go to Syracuse. Yeah, they're got to go. It's just crazy, right? Yeah, I think that if affects more of like the uh, teams that play in the middle of the week, like the volleyballs, basketball. It, you know, having to travel that much, that's going to be a big burden on these smaller 
uh, sports, not saying that basketball, you know, but and even like soccer and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, you're used to not having to go that far, you know, going from, you know, Berkeley to, you know, go play UCLA or whatever. Yeah. But now you have to go really far and that that will be an interesting to toll. boston potentially yeah, yeah to the other coast that's a huge trip that's yeah i mean trip. there's i mean usc women's basketball going to play rutgers yeah i mean like on a tuesday night in in february that's crazy yeah it's it's definitely going to be a strain especially keeping up with school and all that um I don't know. Curious to see how that plays yeah. out. Kind of opened a can of worms here with this conversation. Yeah. yeah. So, but I kind of want to ask you guys though. So, of the new teams that are joining the conference, who do you think is like most likely to appear as like a rival to TCU? Like Utah. Uh, uh, you think Utah is gonna be yeah. the team that like we we yeah. a new newly found rivalry? TCU. I mean, they were in the Mountain West Conference together. Mm-hmm. Um, same with BYU. So there's already kind of you know. Not tradition in terms of like long tradition, but these two teams have played each other before. I mean, they played each other college game day game for a TC-Utah game uh, a long time ago. So uh, I think Utah, and then depending on how this like, I don't know, Colorado, if they play each other a lot, I've already seen a lot of, you know, I don't think that's going to be like a big rival, but. It'd be it'd be fun to play them a lot if that yeah. makes any sense. No, totally. Yeah, especially if Dion, depending on how long he stays there, it'd be cool. You know, especially for football. Obviously, that's kind of the big thing. And, and then there there also could be a rivalry basketball with Arizona, possibly. Yeah. Oh, Maybe man. basketball. Yeah, I mean, basketball is a whole other conversation. Yeah. Right? This I mean, conference for basketball, crazy. and I cannot wait for next year and even this year when we get to talk about this conference in basketball. It is so good. It's going to be exciting. It is so good. And next year, even though Texas and OU are leaving, it it's a better conference mm-hmm. in basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing people don't realize. It's like, yeah, football isn't as strong right now, but there are other sports. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, overall, I feel like Big 12 basketball has been one of the best conferences for basketball in the nation. Top top two for sure it's them or the big even East last right year now. yeah exactly so yeah so that'll be interesting to see uh that'll wrap things up here for our tcu talk at the top of the hour we're going to be talking about the world series with the texas rangers at this current time just one game away from clinching and winning the world series so we'll be talking about that you're listening to riff ram review right here on 88.7 the choice it's 6 42 p.m time for steve plato and his son dylan to do the dishes They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, the dreaded splash fight. It's dad o'clock, and it's the best time of the day. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Riff Ram Review here on KTCU, The Choice, here on 88.7, The Choice. My name's Ian Apetian, and tonight I'm here alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're just about to kick off the second hour of the show, but we did want to mention that in the first hour, we had a very special guest on, Sedona Prince from TCU Women's Basketball, was here to talk with us for just about a half an hour, so thank you to her um, for just allowing us some time. That was a great conversation that we had with her, so be sure to tune in. Um, that will be dropping either later tonight or tomorrow, Thursday morning. 
on Apple Podcasts um, and Spotify. So be sure to tune into that. But now we're going to switch gears going from TCU football now to the World Series. We are entering Game 5 of the World Series now tonight. That is just about underway um, down in Phoenix, Arizona, where the Rangers are looking to win the, their first World Series in franchise history tonight. They're one game away, and that could happen tonight. How are you guys feeling? I know it's been a crazy last couple of days with what's ensued, and especially after last night's massive win. Yeah, we have not talked about the world's i mean since then the rangers have taken a 3-1 lead uh, of course friday's game was just an absolute thrill with Corey seager hitting that game tying home run and then adolis garcia hitting the game winning home run there was just so much so much fun so much excitement um it's it's been a bit of an up and down thing you know it's, yes the rangers are up 3-1 but of course the injuries to max scherzer and adolis garcia are definitely sting a little bit but uh, a little bit of nerves right now, and it's in, in anticipation, and that the Rangers are one win away from doing something that they have not done in their franchise. And there's not a single Rangers fan that has been able to see them win a World Series. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's it's really an exciting time, and um, I, I hope that they can get it done tonight. Uh, yeah, uh, game just started. Literally, yep. the pitch first pitch was just thrown. Uh, always a little very. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Yeah. Always a little really nervous at the start. Hopefully we can settle in here very soon because I'm very jittery at, at the moment. Uh, but it's been a, a thrill of a lifetime. I mean, this is just a gift of a baseball season. We talked about it the last two weeks, really, when we talked about the, this postseason run uh, for the Rangers, and that it's just been so unexpected. Uh, I mean, obviously a, a really good regular season, and you, you know, in July, June, and July, I was like, hey, are, you know, do they got a shot? Or, or like to make a postseason run. Never expected a World Series run, let alone a World Series win. Even though you know that that hasn't happened yet. Fingers crossed, obviously. Uh, but it's just been awesome. Uh, game one was great. Game uh, three was uh, you know a nitty gritty kind of yeah. close win. And then yesterday was just vibes. Uh, vibes. Yep. Literally pure vibes. Yesterday <laughs> there was no no skill, just vibes. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's kind of what's been crazy about this series is that, right? I mean, the Rangers, their offense in game one was a little lackluster up until the very end. They pull out with that two-run shot from Corey Seager. That's like the one pitch that you don't throw to him, but he nailed it um, in, the, in the bottom of the ninth. And then, obviously, Adolis with that uh, walk-off homer to win 6-5. But, and then the next game, Diamondbacks have the Rangers number, win that game 9-1, and then... What was interesting about the Rangers-Diamondbacks game three was that both offenses were muffled, especially the Diamondbacks, who are a team that, you know, they typically are able to come from behind, but their offense didn't just didn't show much. But, I mean, that was kind of the pitching duel match, maybe, that, that we could say that we've gotten so far. Um, and then, obviously, I think, you know, the, the scoreline of 11-7 to for the Rangers definitely, you know, it makes it look better for the Diamondbacks, but that was a game of... of I guess you know two halves. You could say, even though there's no. It halves, was a game. But... It was a game of the very back end of the Rangers bullpen yeah. came in and and decided to be the very back end of the Rangers bullpen. Yeah, just uh, proving why they are not pitching in high leverage. Yeah, and other than those, you know, couple moments there, that's kind of been a storyline that is kind of flown under the radar. You know, everyone is talking about the offense, but. I think coming into this series, we wanted to mention the fact that you know Arizona's bullpen's been really strong. So is Texas, but it's been a, it's been 
leaky. Yeah. Uh, but this series, Texas bullpen has outperformed Arizona, and I think that's a big reason why they're here. We've seen some great uh, performances from Josh Spores, John Gray, uh, you know, Dane Dunning, and, and Jose LeClerc. These guys have stepped up in in pretty big situations and you know when Max Scherzer went down John Gray like I just mentioned stepped up so I think that's been a really big storyline and why Texas is in this position right now yeah I I mean the the bullpen is like as a whole if you probably looked at the bullpen numbers Arizona's probably had a better like on on a whole if you look at every single pitcher but if you think about the key moments when the bullpen, when we need the bullpen to be good, you point to game one. Obviously, they blew the save and then blew the game. You point to game um, four, which is just, that's it. It was a bullpen game, and they couldn't get it done, right? Uh, so those are the, that, in those regards, that's when the bullpen has failed. And then you look at game one again for the Rangers' bullpen, six and a third scoreless innings. Yeah. Then you look at game three, only one run allowed by the bullpen after uh, Scherzer came out after three innings because of an injury John Gray was awesome Spores was great Chapman was just a roller coaster of experience yeah. of emotions and then Jose Leclerc obviously shuts it down and then last night was just uh throwing arms that you don't think you're gonna need today yeah like you mentioned Seth the Rangers have won the small moments it's those things those you know attention to details sort of things where I thought Arizona they you know early on they stole a lot of bases you know playing good defense but then last game you see that sort of fall apart in what was it game three when Christian Walker hits the double gets thrown out at home you know it's stuff like that where the Rangers have been extremely disciplined and haven't given Arizona outs or they've given them extra runners on base and that's that's been pretty critical for Texas as far as being disciplined and that's that's a testament to Bruce Bochy who's been there and he's and he's done that before. Yeah, and and kind of going off of that, right? I mean, last night for game 4, the first 10 runs were all scored with two outs, right? And I mean, it's it's one of the biggest things in baseball is that hey, don't don't let a two out rally happen. Don't, you know, when you're, you're when you're with when you're there with two outs, don't let the next guy get on base. But then for the offense for those hitters up there, it's hand that baton to the next guy, hand the baton to the next guy, right? And what's crazy is that, right? I mean, 10 runs on two outs is ridiculous. It's a lot of runs. Um, I know that sounds like a very basic and general statement to make, but with two outs, it's a lot, right? And to think that multiple times within those moments, you were one strike away and you don't throw that pitch. Or even, right, in, in game four, Christian Walker gets the ground ball to possibly turn an inning-ending double play, and he and he 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 kicks the ball right, and bases are loaded now with one out. It just keeps that cycle going, right? And it's again, I think you're exactly right, Zion, in the sense of look, the Rangers have won in the small moments, in those really small detailed moments where, frankly, a lot of baseball games come down to those specific moments, the pitches that you do or do not make at certain times within an at bat, right? And again, just like you said, it's a testament to the coaching staff. I mean, Bruce Bochy has been here before. This is not new territory for him, while it is for almost everybody on the Texas Rangers. Um, But yeah, I mean, the Rangers have just been lights out in those moments that you need to be lights out. Yeah, not to mention game three as well. There's also two outs when Marcus Simeon drove in that first run. And you felt like that's the guy you want to get out. You don't want Corey Seager to come up to the plate. And then he hits the two-run homer, so... 
a lot of big moments like that coming with two outs. Yeah, uh, Arizona's outscored the Rangers in this series, but mm-hmm. it's been those those statistics of hitting with runners in scoring position yeah. where that where the difference has been made, right? Uh, because. I feel like, yeah, we're harping on it. It's the little things that the Rangers have done, right? It's the two-out rallies. It's the capitalizing on the mistakes that Arizona makes. Last night, after the Walker error to load the bases, yeah. very easily could have just not scored there. And that is still a game. 5 nothing is still, you know, in the third, still a baseball game, right? But then, you can't. You give up a two-out double to Travis Jankowski. And I love Travis Jankowski. He's the vibes guy. Him and Austin Hedges are vibes guys. But you hang a slider to Travis Jankowski. He's still a big league hitter. He's in this league for a reason. He's going to – he cranked it, and he cranked it. And that's just something you can't do. And then the top of the order comes up and three-run homer. Well, Jankowski hit that ball because I wasn't watching. Oh, okay. Tell us about yeah, your, yeah, stu- t- you your superstition with Travis story. Jankowski. So – I have a thing with Travis Jankowski. I really like him. He's, he's a great player. Uh, but early on in the season, I was watching with my brother, and it's a couple of times in a row where Jankowski had some offers. And, and I we're watching the game, and I'm just, I go, man, like he is like a plus, 300 plus average. But I never see him get a hit. It never happens. So I started a thing where I'd go upstairs and I wouldn't watch the game while Travis Jankowski's hitting. And he would get a hit. Uh, It's happened, I think, like three or four times throughout the season. And last night, I did the same thing where I left the room and he got two base hits. Guess what? The two times that he did get out, I was either listening on the radio or watching. So I I think uh, Jankowski just needs to – I just cannot be watching his at-bats. He'll get a a hit. Checks out. That's a scientific analysis. Yeah, that's a baseball analysis. It is. Goes goes all the way back to uh, the who, who's the Moneyball guy the the Craig James or something like that. Who's the guy that came up with the Moneyball thing? I don't know. That could be a part of it. But <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah. Sorry, sorry if I just threw this no, whole conversation in a loop there for for a little bit. But I don't know where we are anymore. Well, I so I I do want to talk about the Diamondbacks in that they now have to win three in a row. Yeah. And of course, as a Rangers fan, I don't want that to happen. But I think what do you what do you guys feel? What will it take for the Diamondbacks to pull out this series? What's what's it going to take for them to have to win three games in a row? Chaos. Do what they do best. Which is what they just did: lead off walk, stolen base. That's yep. that's what that's that's the kind of chaos that they need to create, right? Uh, is when that leadoff man gets on, he's got to score mm-hmm. because that's kind of their recipe for success. And if they can, you know, speed up the game on the Rangers' defense, right? Kind of do what you know the Rangers did yesterday to Arizona. That Christian Walker error, you got to make it difficult on them. These are plays that big leaguers are going to make half the time, or like not half the time, ninety nine point nine percent of the time. If you can speed it up, give put a little pressure on them. We saw that in Game Two, uh, whenever uh, Marte hit that that grounder to first and low, probably should have just gone to first to get the out. But instead, in this brief moment of panic, throws it home, and he's safe, right? And no one, and, and no one's out. Those are the kind of moments that Arizona has to capitalize on, where they create the chaos using their speed, their small ball skills, and then they have the ability to punch you in the mouth with a big homer from some of those guys, too. Yeah, and for Arizona, I think, I mean, I feel like the whole thing of this series has been getting out to the early lead, right? I mean, Diamondbacks jumped out to a quick lead um, in Game 2. Rangers last night and if you can get out to a good enough lead that makes the the other teams 
bats when they're Whoa. <laughs> my mic that was a microphone yeah my wow. mic just moved like i didn't even touch it there's a ghost here. yeah there's a ghost uh, it's Halloween's not October over. Anymore. yeah come on now yeah but but for the diamondbacks i mean really it's it's gonna have to be getting out to a quick lead and making the texas ranger hitters play more defensively bat more defensively right it's it's put them in a scenario where they need to get a hit where it's not a tie game and if they get on good because they can start something it's no you're behind you need to get on and so making a little more of a defensive approach to the plate would probably be the best bet for the diamondbacks and again they're going to need some outstanding starts from their pitchers and if they don't get outstanding starts from their pitchers they're going to need their bullpen if they get their bullpen and they win a game then they're going to have to pitch for the next few days i mean obviously there's there's a day rest between now and perhaps game six if they're if that's necessary but these guys are really going to have to dig deep to to you know to continue playing this season if if they want to win the world series so Really exciting, though. Again, I'm super excited for Ranger fans. I think, I mean, this is this is great for Texas Ranger fans. I mean, this is, how often can you say this again? You know, you don't want to relive what happened in the early 2010s, but this is a great opportunity now. And, I mean, no one could have expected this for Bruce Bochy to come out of retirement, lead this team to the World Series, which well, that wasn't even on the menu. But um, really exciting stuff here. Yeah, hopefully next Wednesday we'll be celebrating a World Series title exactly hopefully I, I don't know what we'll do will there be you know what we'll have a nice little sound drop exactly i'll, I'll we'll create we'll, a nice we'll a little, little sound celebratory drop. sound drop if that is the case exactly well that brings our world series talk to an end here um in this segment but up next we've got some nfl talk about this last week of the nfl and we're also going to talk a little bit about the trade deadline there are a couple big moves that we do want to touch on so stay right here on 88.7 the choice you're listening to riff ram review Mozart's toast, these are so very great. Kids, rejoice when Mozart's on their plate. They know they're quite nutritious. And so delicious. They'll lick the dishes. And, and soon you'll realize how impactful your kids' involvement in the arts can be. They'll get better grades, make more friends, and express their individuality. When they learn to play some music, act, or paint, or dance, or write creatively. Hot from the toaster and filled with the essential creative thinking skills of an 18th century musical genius, Mozart Toasties are an important part of an arts-healthy childhood. Studies show that involvement in the arts helps kids increase test scores and promotes academic achievement. Feed your kids the arts. For 10 simple ways to learn how, visit americansforthearts.org. The arts. Ask for more. Brought to you by Americans for the Arts, the NAM Foundation, and the Ad Council. Frame Review right here on 88.7 KTCU The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Apetian and Seth Dowdle. We just talked some World Series here as Game 5 is currently in play. We're going to be talking about the NFL now. So uh, lots to talk about here. First, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys as they dismantled the Los Angeles Rams winning 43-20 to after a insane first half and and where the Cowboys got a touchdown on offense defense and no not, not on special, special teams. teams but they got a blocked <laughs> punt um for for a safety and Kevontae Turpin almost uh took took a 
punt return back. But they got a pick six from Deron Bland. It was just a a very 2023 Cowboys win where it seems like all their wins seem to come out in blow come in blowout fashion except for the the game against the Chargers. Uh, Dak Prescott certainly had a bounce back game 25 of 31, 304 yards, four touchdowns and one interception that was on a tipped pass in the red zone there. So big game for CeeDee Lamb as well, 12 catches, 158 yards and two touchdowns, but Guys, what were some of your takeaways from this Cowboys win? I didn't watch the game. I'm not a Cowboys guy, but I didn't watch the game. But when I saw that they were up like 33-3 to at one point, mm-hmm. like right before the half, I was like, holy crap. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I mean, I know the Rams aren't the best team out there this season. They're better but, than that, though. But they're better than that. Yeah. They're definitely you know better than that. The Cowboys uh, just love winning easy. And they love losing Bad. Bad. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the weirdest dichotomy of a football team where one week it's just pick sixes, almost punt returns, which, by the way, Cavante Turpin, I feel like we've been on the edge of our seat for him housing one for 40 years now, and every single time he has, like, a big return, there it is, like the block, block in, the back, in the back. Holding. It's, like, it's always so, it's just like, there was a reason he went that far. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> That's funny. Uh, pick sixes, blocked punts. These are the kinds of things that the Cowboys uh, do when they win. Uh, they never win normal, except for last week, whenever, or two weeks ago, or three, three weeks ago. How long ago it was, was that? Two Are, weeks ago. Cause oh they, yeah, they came off the bye, yeah. and then uh, they won on Monday night against the Chargers. That was a long time ago. That was a really long time ago. It but was. yeah, can we win a game where, and maybe it'll be this week. Uh, where the Cowboys, you know, kind of play a, a game where it's like, all right, well, are they gonna win? Yeah. Like it's in it's in the cards in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I'd like to have a little fun. No, this this weekend's game against the Eagles should be really good. I'm I'm surprised that it wasn't the the primetime game. To be honest, I I was asking Zion today. I'm like, oh, that's gotta be in primetime, right? This the Sunday night. And he's like, nope, it's a three o'clock game. But I mean, this is super exciting. Cowboys are uh, five and two. Yeah, five and two. Eagles are seven and one. Um, or is it six and two? They're five and two. The Eagles. Eagles. No, the Cowboys are five and two. Eagles yeah. are seven and one. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I said. Sorry. Eagles seven and one. I mean, obviously great, um, great divisional matchup. Um, but no, this this game should be a lot of fun. Um, really looking forward to that. What What are your guys' thoughts on this? I mean, just kind of preview in that game what are you hoping to see from the cowboys um whether it's continuing the same on offense picking up the pieces somewhere else this will be the first time in a long time that dak and jalen have played against each other haven't played they didn't play against each other last year it was cooper rush versus jalen hurts in the first game and then dak prescott versus gardner Minshew in the second game so uh that's kind of what i'm looking forward to to seeing interested to see how the cowboys defend uh the little tush push if they yeah. can, yeah. which I don't think they will. I think if it gets to, like, a short down in distance, then it's like, all right, well, pack up your bags and we'll, we'll plan plan for the next time because they're so good at it. Yeah, they are pretty, pretty good at this. But I think I'm excited for this matchup because, of course, it's in Philly, so that's obviously just such a tough atmosphere to win in. Um, but I would rather have the Cowboys play at home at the end of the season when it's really – like, not that this game doesn't matter, but it's really going to matter towards the end of this season. But 
I want to see Dak Prescott have a good game against a good team, if that makes you know. Yeah. It's like he prove yourself against a worthy opponent. Yeah, and not that he hasn't, but it feels like you know against San Francisco, he's just had trouble with them, and you know he's he's had fairly good success against Philly, but uh, it's kind of the narrative this season is. Going into the season was that Dak, you know, he's, how's he going to limit the turnovers because last year was really bad. But now it's sort of flipped. It's actually Jalen Hurts, while he's a tremendous quarterback, he's turned the ball over a lot. And uh, not as many people are talking about it. If Dak Prescott did that, you know, the whole the whole internet would be on him about it. But Jalen Hurts has turned the ball over a lot. So seeing which quarterback can take care of the football a little bit better is going to be interesting to see. Uh, Eagles, Cowboys fans hate each other. Um, this yeah. is a, uh, a real rivalry week, yeah. and it's going to be. Uh, this game is in Philly. Is it in Philly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yikes! All right. If you are a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, stay a hundred yards away from Lincoln Financial Field at all costs. It is not safe in there for you. It is not safe. They will talk to you mean. They will be mean to you. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a rowdy environment. And that kind of gets into, you know, with a big matchup like this, it sort of gets into my our, our next topic here is top teams in the AFC and the NFC because we've seen some top teams fall here. Uh, we saw the Broncos finally beat the Chiefs for the first time since 2015. The Bengals beat the 49ers 31-17. to And so... Uh, that was obviously a big game, and, and now we have some heavyweights coming into Week 9 here. We've got some excellent games. I cannot wait. We have Dolphins-Chiefs uh, in London. Is it yep. in London? London. Yeah. Germany. Oh, oh Germany. Germany. Oh, yeah, at um, Allianz Arena where Bayern Munich plays. Yeah. yeah, in Germany. That's exciting. we got Seahawks-Ravens. That's a really good matchup. Of course, Cowboys-Eagles. And then on Sunday Night Football, Bills-Bengals. So... I think after this week, we're going to get a real good idea of who are the top dogs in in football. But who do you guys see recently that has really caught your eye, or who do you think is you know maybe not as good as people think? I mean, I don't know if I'd say caught my eye, but I wasn't sure if I if I trusted the Dolphins to keep going at this pace this this far into the season. I mean, I, I kind of expected them to kind of hit a roadblock eventually and seem. Like okay, there are there are some significant holes here in this team. I feel like every week though they keep again. It's a bit like a next man up because they've had they have dealt with some injuries, right? I mean, Jalen Waddle hasn't hasn't been Jalen Waddle this year. They've heavily um, they've heavily depended on Tyreek Hill. Um, Devon A. Chain came in, got hurt. Raheem Mostert's in and out sometimes. And I mean, but for Tua, it's like look, everyone keeps doubting the guy even last year, but this year it's kind of like all right. Dolphins are continuing to do well, and I feel like as much as I stay surprised week in, week out, it's almost like, all right, the, the Dolphins are here to stay. This isn't just a early season fluke. So, I mean, I won't say that there's, there's any teams really catching my eye, but it's more of the fact that a team like the Dolphins are sticking to their MO that they've kind of established so early this season. This game, by the way, in Frankfurt, not Munich. Oh, Frankfurt. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's playing played in, played in Frankfurt Stadium. That's where Eintracht Frankfurt plays. So, Gosh, I don't uh, like Frankfurt. <laughs> just uh, realize they exist. I the Bengals are so intriguing, man, because 
is it in the contract for Joe Burrow to stink for the first four weeks and then turn into <laughs> Tom Brady? Yes, yep. for the rest of the season. Yep. I think it's what I think that's what he has to do. Oh yeah, I think that's because we you mentioned a little bit they just beat the Niners, and I was going into that game like the Bengals like they're not that great right now. Yeah. And the Forty ers like I watched them four weeks ago pummel the team I love, and. I don't. The 49ers are very hurt. They can use that excuse if they want to. Being injured is never an excuse in the NFL, though. Uh, but the Bengals very impressive, and Joe Burrow s- showed me and showed everyone like, hey, by the way, I'm still the same dude who was smoking that cigar in the locker room yep. at LSU. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how they match up here with with Buffalo. Uh, yeah, it's been a little surprising to see San Francisco drop three games in a row. They're, you're just sort of used to it, them not losing regular season games. Yeah. So the fact that they've lost three in a row now is is a bit of you know a bit concerning. Yeah, yeah. Brock Birdie stacked all his regular season wins really really early, and then is just you know kind of losing steam. I was very curious about him even playing in this game because yeah. he had a he had a concussion. Yep, and then. Shanahan six was days, like, hey, he's good to Six go. days later, he's playing. Yeah. A little yeah. fishy. A little fishy. It's Not little, speculating, but a little fishy. A little fishy. Uh, right now, I would say Philly is the best team in the NFC unless they prove otherwise. You know, maybe this week could be the Cowboys, but who knows? Um, and, and they've kind of gotten away with some uh, narrow victories over the last few weeks. But I, I want to talk about Buffalo because, man, are they just an interesting team because they lose – to New England, they lost their opener to the Jets, um, and now you have a matchup here with Cincinnati where you feel like, okay, wh- where, where's Josh Allen? Yeah. Where, where does he come to play? Because he's been a little bit inconsistent as well. He had a great game uh, last week, I believe, against Tampa yeah. on Thursday night. Yeah, he had a, he had a tremendous game, and so um, you know, I'm I'm really curious to see how Buffalo does. Um, I I still feel like I can trust their defense and. And you know they got to get James Cook a little bit more involved and and try, try and establish a bit more of a running game, um, but that'll be interesting to see. Uh, so this past weekend we got the NFL trade deadline, and that's sort of where teams, the top teams in the NFL, really make some moves to solidify their squad, to put them from you know playoff contender to potential Super Bowl contender. We saw Josh Dobbs get traded to the Minnesota Vikings. Thought that was pretty interesting after the Kirk Cousins torn Achilles. Sad. It's really sad. To, yeah, yeah re- really hoping for the best for, for Kirk and his recovery. Uh, the Vikings not as much of a contender, but looking to still be a wild card team there. I mean, they just got to four and four, which mm-hmm. after starting zero and three is an incredible accomplishment in yes. my opinion, right? Yeah. And then just the worst thing that could happen to lose Kirk. I mean, and. I love Kirk Cousins. I watched the quarterback little docu series, yeah. and I think that paint that painted him in a whole lot, a whole like a, a really good light for a lot of people. And I feel like a lot of people fell in love with him, uh, including myself. Uh, so that really stinks to to see him, you know, go out. But it's another opportunity for Josh Dobbs. He keeps getting these, and he kind he kind of keeps proving himself, yeah. right? That he's a capable guy, and he's been really thrown into, under the under the bus and thrown into the fire because he keeps having to learn these playbooks on the fly. He got <laughs> yeah. to the Cardinals training camp like two or three weeks before the season started last year in Tennessee. He, they were like, learn, 
learn the playbook now. Learn. You're playing in two weeks, and now he's got to do the whole thing again. Interested to see who uh, plays for them. I believe J- Jaron Hall's the backup. Uh, so oh, for, for for Minnesota. Yeah. So you imagine they might give him a start. You know, because we'll see. Dobbs doesn't know the playbook right yeah. now, so interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for for Josh Dobbs. I mean, just like you said, he's he's been through the ringer as a backup quarterback trying to, you know, implement his game in the NFL. And I mean, for him, it's it's again. I think that's as a backup quarterback, you're just like, hey, give me another shot, give me another shot, give me another shot, right? I mean, I don't see Josh Dobbs as like. I don't think he's a bad quarterback, but I think he's someone that can do something when he's given a decent team. And, I mean, he proved it with the Cardinals on a team that there really isn't much substance there, right? And so, no, I'm very happy that he's going to the Vikings. Um, I think that'll be a great opportunity for him. Curious to see how the receivers gel with him, how they might have, how that might affect their play. I mean, Kirk Cousins has been there for what what year did Kirk Cousins come over from? from it's the been like six or seven seasons. Right? I mean, yeah. he's been there for a long time. Yeah. I mean, he's seen receivers and running backs come into that system and leave the system, right? So I'm curious to see how Dobbs gets on with the Vikings, but I wish him all the best. Yeah, and of course the Commanders, they were a big seller at the deadline. They traded Montez Sweat to the Bears, which was mad random in my opinion. Yeah. I cannot, that was like, okay. Uh, I would have thought Chicago would be selling as well, maybe trading Jalen Johnson. Uh, but ne- they, This is for next season. Yeah. This is for next year. They get Montez Sweat. But the big one, oh, God, they traded Chase Young to the 49ers. Why? The things you can do with a quarterback who makes $600,000. You can Pretty much. build a whole army around him if you wanted to. That's what's kind of crazy about this and that's why they are able to do all this stuff is because you know most teams quarterbacks are taking up 40 plus million dollars in cap space and meanwhile brock purdy's like i work at the diner (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's it's pretty insane like like last year where the 49ers traded for christian mccaffrey this year they trade for chase young and they already bolster what is a pretty strong defensive line nick bosa Hasn't been as consistent, but he also gets a lot of attention. You got Randy Gregory, and now you get Chase Young. So that's the difference between the 49ers and a team like the Cowboys, where the 49ers go after it. They see an opportunity to go win a a title, even though they've been struggling. They go out and they get Chase Young, and that's going to help tremendously. Whereas the Dallas Cowboys, they may not have the financial flexibility, of course, with a big salary with Dak Prescott, but... They stand pat and do nothing, and that that's super frustrating for me. Is you know the Cowboys? This is a wide open NFC, and they didn't do anything. Yeah. Now, now, just briefly, because we do have one more segment to get to. But I'm curious with you guys, who's a, who's maybe a team, um, perhaps outside the Cowboys, that you would have expected to make some moves come this trade deadline that maybe didn't, you know, didn't really do much, uh, if any. I don't know if there's any. The NFL trade deadline is wacky and is not as fun, uh, just because of the, how football is played. Obviously, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, the Eagles they got Kevin Byard, which is again, it's just like it's unbelievable that the Eagles can can pull off these moves like that. And Kevin Byard's a really solid player. And Ian, do we have time for your Raiders thoughts? Or, oh, happy, happy. Honestly, I mean, I was I gave this team like three weeks to figure it out, 
I wasn't happy when Jimmy Garoppolo came over. I'm not happy now. Um, I wasn't happy with many, with some of the coaching decisions. I think that there have been numerous times where Josh McDaniels could have been fired on the spot for some of his, you know, fourth uh, fourth quarter decisions in terms of clock management, game management. Um, I'm happy. I think it's time that we go find someone else. I was telling Zion today this is this is our twelfth um, head coach, the twelfth person that's coached the Raiders in the in the last twenty years. So that's that's a lot of turnover from head coaching um, positions. But I'm I'm happy and to see that Aiden O'Connell is going to get the start. I mean basically means our season's pretty much done which is fine but if that means that Aiden O'Connell gets some reps in there I think that's great now it's not going to be great for Devontae Adams for Jacoby Myers um um Michael Mayer Hunter Renfro Josh Jacobs and the rest of the team but again it's kind of like this is the post Derek Carr era a quarterback that had that had been there since 2014 all the way up until 2022 and you're gonna have to figure out whether it's coaching or even at the quarterback position what combination is going to work right and this is something that i expected from the front from the raiders because that you know having a new head coach entering a second season and then going into a season with a completely new quarterback that's a lot to change um but overall i'm happy with the with this decision could have been made three weeks ago and i wouldn't have felt any different but very happy that it has happened so well, that will wrap things up here, Ian. I, I appreciated that that little spiel there on the Raiders. I think it, I think it was time. I agree with you on that. Uh, I think it was time. So we are going to take a quick break, and then for our final segment, we're going to be talking about college football this past weekend and the new CFP rankings as well. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. Well, howdy! Thanks for coming to Big Bubba's. We got a mess of used cars. What can we do for you? Uh, we're looking for, um... Something cute. Well, here's a beauty. A 99 model with a moonroof. As a bonus, we'll throw in a leaking gas tank. You could be driving and kaboom! Adds that zing of excitement. You got any other cars? Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. There's a simple blood test called A1C that can help measure your risk of complications from diabetes. Why is it important? Because more than 600 people every day die from diabetes and its complications. If your A1C is above 7, your doctor can show you how to lower it. If you have diabetes, know your risk. Know your A1C. Ask your doctor. Or for more information, go to www.diabetesa1c.org or call 1-877-TEST-A1C. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. Here on 88.7 KTCU, the choice, your choice for college radio. My name is Ian Apetian, joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle as we move into our final segment of tonight's show. We just got finished talking about some NFL action, um, and now we're going to go over to college football. There wasn't a ton going on this weekend, but we did want to highlight just a couple of games, starting off with number 6 Oregon beating number 18, the Utah Utes, 35-6. to Definitely a scoreline that we didn't see coming per se, but the Oregon Ducks improving to seven and one on the season. Utah Utes falling to six and two. 
Um, but Bo Nix had a solid uh, had a solid game this weekend. Twenty four for thirty one for two hundred forty eight yards and two touchdowns, um, where he led the Ducks to their seventh win of the season. Um, guys, what do you guys think of this game? Now we're not talking about Washington, but I need to bring them in just for the the point of sure. what I'm about to say here, because this is what the overall trend of Oregon in in the Pac-12 is right now. Ever since Oregon lost to Washington, the two teams have trended in completely opposite directions. Now, Washington has not lost, but they have had some squeakers against some teams they shouldn't have had some squeakers against, while Oregon has just been dominant. They just crush Utah right yep. in Utah, yep. which is even more impressive because Utah is a tough place to play. Yes, uh, and, and to, It's just super, super impressive. So, Oregon... The question now becomes, are they positioning themselves as the best option for a Pac-12 team to make it to the playoff and then win the Pac-12's first game? Actually, did Oregon win a game uh, in 2014? Uh, no, I don't think so, because Ohio State won it all, right? Yes. Did they beat? I think they beat Oregon in, in that. The, in the na- they beat Oregon in the national championship game, if I recall. Anyway, I can't remember. Anyway, get back to the playoff, yep. which the Pac-12 hasn't done since 2015. Exactly. So, that's the goal. And they, right now they have two great candidates in Washington and Oregon, but right now Washington just they're winning, but they look like crap. Yeah. Yeah, so Oregon won 59 to 20 over Florida State to play uh Ohio State and then okay. Ohio State won. Wow. Um yeah, no, I think Ohio, I think honestly think Oregon's a better team, if I'm being honest. I mean, I'm a huge Michael Penix Jr. guy. He's a great quarterback. Also love Bo Nix, but uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I think Oregon, uh, to the college football committee, would I think they would much rather have Oregon in there because they're more – I think they're obviously a bigger brand. And um, it's it's going to be interesting to see but because the Pac-12 has been a, really exciting – um, and if we look at Washington's schedule, they have USC. They, they go uh, at USC, at home against Utah, at Oregon State, then at home against Washington State. Oregon is pretty similar. They play Cal, USC, Arizona State, and then Oregon State. So I, I would assume you know Washington could lose to Utah because, Seth, we've talked about this before. Utah is just... They're spoilers. They're spoilers. So Utah could pull out a win, maybe against uh, against uh, Washington. Good lord! Um, <laughs> and we could see a rematch, you know, potentially for the, in the Pac-12 championship between Washington and Oregon. But we'll see. Yeah, it, 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 the Pac-12 is just the the best conference in terms of parity and just entertainment right now. So that's why we talk about it so much because it's just a really good time. Uh, and in Oregon, obviously, with the big statement. Yep. Now, kind of shifting gears, looking at one of the other big games of this weekend, going into the Big 12, Kansas Jayhawks got the better of the Oklahoma Sooners this weekend. Kansas Jayhawks, um, yeah, 38-33 to was the final score. There was a pretty lengthy weather delay in that game. Um, so, so that was kind of interesting because when I was watching, they had to actually completely switch the channel to a different game for it for a pretty long period of time but um for the Jayhawks they got out to a 14 nothing lead and then a few minutes later the Sooners came roaring back and took a 21 to 14 lead and went into halftime up 21 to 17 over the Jayhawks and 
if you're a Jayhawks fan, at that moment in time, you must have just been, what are we doing? We just gave away 14-point lead that we had to start this game, and, and now it's a, completely, it's a completely different game. But, um, gosh, Jason Bean, you know, pulled it out for the Jayhawks um, yet the again. Beanster, and, man. Yeah. Kind of interesting with this game, neither quarterback, Dylan Gabriel or Jason Bean, threw a touchdown pass, and yet 38, Well, final score is 38 to 33. The weather was not great. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. very slippery, and we saw that play out. There was a muff punt that Kansas pounced on uh, that was a key moment in the game. Uh, there was some key fumbles because it was just it was very slippery. Yeah. And then we saw the Kansas fans take the goalposts yes. and throw it into the lake. That was pretty cool. And is this – I mean, this has to be the biggest win in program history for Kansas, right? I mean – It's the first time they've beaten OU since the 90s. Wow. And probably the last time because I don't know when they'll play again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, congrats to Kansas, man. That's an awesome victory. I'm, I've – I've always liked Kansas football. I don't like Kansas basketball. Kansas Isn't that basketball. weird? Yeah, they hurt us too much. Isn't that weird how Duke ba- Duke football and Kansas football are like? Oh, look at the lovable little schools. Oh, <laughs> how awesome! And then the basketball are like, oh, I hate them so much. Yeah, I hope they lose all their Same games. Same with North Carolina f- yeah. Uh, football. Yeah. yeah, even though they're kind of good sometimes. Even though they lost again to Georgia Tech, we're not going to talk about it. Yep. But they did. Yeah, they did. And in other big news with college football. The season's first CFP rankings came out, and we have some, uh, we've got some uh, interesting things to talk about here. All right, Seth, I'll let you kind of go on, but we were talking yesterday. There were some of these placements of teams that we just weren't really sure about, especially when it got to the Big 12. Yeah, so this was odd. Uh, These rankings don't mean anything right now, by the way. they're just to fill a television program but you know it's fun for us to talk about regardless so here we are talking about them uh if we get towards the the top i kind of agree with ohio state probably has the best resume in the country they have wins over penn state notre dame you know they can quarrel with the rest of their schedule but you know ohio state or georgia probably the top top two teams i'd say yeah i i would i actually agree with ohio state being at one in my opinion now, I think Florida State should be three and Michigan should be four because Michigan has p- just played nobody. Yep. But And I think Florida State is better, and plus Michigan are cheaters. We'll talk about that maybe at some point. <laughs> yeah, Michigan stole that third seed. Yep. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the top ten, top nine, I should say, is, yes. is pretty good. And then Ole Miss is like, by the way, we're still here, and, and everyone's like, Ole Miss. Hello? Like, what in the world? Oh. Ole Miss. Uh, sorry, the computer's being a little slow. Where'd the rankings go? Okay. Here's my favorite sequence of the oh rankings. Oh, my gosh, yes. It's 12 through 14. Missouri is 12. Louisville is 13. And LSU is 14. Now, I don't know if y'all remember this, but LSU went to Missouri and beat them. Yeah. So, there's that. And then Louisville lost to Pitt, like, a week ago. Like, two weeks ago. So, that's not in the too far distant future. Or distant past. And then I think my second favorite is 16 through 20. Actually, 16 through 23. And Zion, I think you think this is pretty funny, too, just because it seems like they gave up. And they just, like, uh, conferences. All right, Pac-12. All right, Oregon State, they're probably 16. All right, Utah, they're 18. UCLA, oh, how about 19 for them? And then uh, USC, uh, 20 probably. They just barely beat Cal. I'm convinced they actually haven't seen USC play because I don't think USC's a top 25 team. 
They're not. I mean, I think Kansas is better. I think. I, I think. I think K State's better than USC. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State are all ranked in order, twenty-one we, through twenty-three. Yeah. So we take a we took a glance at this, and we're just like, wait, <laughs> they have three Pac-12 teams in a row, and then they have three Big Twelve teams in a row. That's that's just lazy, yeah. in my opinion. Sounds Kansas like State representation, guys. We need all the all yeah the yeah. Kansas State's better than Oklahoma State, in my opinion. I mean, and Kansas is definitely better than USC. It just. Uh, yeah, I guess they just thought, eh, no one's gonna see this. But, but again, we got rank- you. But these rankings, and there's not, there's, there, it doesn't mean anything to quarrel about these because the only one of these that matter is the one at the end. And yep. we've seen committees in the past just completely scrap the work yep. that they did before and, and go towards uh, just just re-ranking at the end. And I think there's a situation where we could have a Baylor TCU 2014 moment hmm. with Washington and Oregon. Yeah, uh, because two teams that are really good. That are purple and green are, you know, close to one another, and they could, with how good that conference is, they could, they they've already played, so they can't knock each other off. But that conference is good enough to where they can, like a Utah or a UCLA or even a USC on a good day, can knock off those teams, right? And so, it in a year where the Pac-12 is so good, it would be really unfortunate if yeah. they weren't to get a playoff team yeah, in be because shameful, the conference yeah. is so good yeah yeah they absolutely i think they deserve, they deserve a one for sure yeah and if it's probably uh i mean right now you you have to like give the edge to washington because yep. they've they're they're undefeated and you know they're in the driver's seat but oregon's right there ready to pounce if washington falters even one second yeah so i think the rankings right now are you know they're fine there's nothing you know i think Missouri at 12 is really generous. Yeah. And I think LSU at 14 is really generous. Yep. I do not think LSU is the 14th best team in the country. Yeah. I think Notre Dame is better than LSU. Uh, I, I think Tennessee better than LSU. Not maybe. What, what about Texas at 7? Does that feel pretty... That seems fair. And now... They're they're disregarding the head to head with OU in Texas here because Oklahoma just lost to Kansas. So that's a little yeah. odd. Yeah. Um, so, I I don't know. I I would like to see OU maybe at. I would I would like to see like a seven OU, Texas eight, Bama nine sort of mm-hmm. thing. I think would how I would go with that. Just because, I had we play the games for a reason. We might as well honor it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. It, and I'm I'm curious to see if you know we do see some of these top teams lose. Does Bama find a way to sneak in? I think if you beat. As presuming presumably Georgia in the SEC championship, you got a decent shot, yeah. you know, and maybe Texas somehow finds a way in. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited to see how the season unfolds. Exactly. Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. If you guys made it to the end of tonight's episode, episode 10, thank you so much for tuning in once again. We really enjoy being here, and uh, you know, hopefully, you guys enjoy some of our sports takes and everything that we can bring to a sports show. Talking about TCU and some other stuff. World Series, NFL, college football, we're all here for it. And so for more content, be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Review as well. Um, if you want to hear the podcast, that will be up tonight or tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Sorry, I got to go through all the all the different <laughs> ones in my head. Um, and then also be sure to be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page at Riff Ram Review. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed our conversation with Sedona Prince. Be sure to tune in to TCU women's basketball when they take on Oral Roberts to kick off 
their 23-24 season next Monday on November 6th. But for Zion Trammell, Seth Dowdle, I'm Ian Nepetian. Thank you so much for tuning in to Riff Ram Review, and we will see you guys next time.